This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois. The podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. I'm going to take a liberty of being the host of this show and step away from the SEAL anecdotes for an episode. I promise I'll do a little more SEAL talk in the middle of it. But when I was in high school, glory days, football, I was about the last at everything in terms of skills and power and speed and ability. I was the least valuable guy on the team in some ways. I could stop in front of the the defending line and stop them from coming after my quarterback. And that was my, my sole value, like stand me there and make them stop coming in, no, no sacks. But one time, on defense, I, I we flipped back and forth for a small school, and I chased the court, chased the runner, the ball handler, and uh, I'd been told by coach in the middle of all of his God damn it, Dubois, you're so slow. God damn it, you can't get to catch anything. All of his helpful criticisms of the years, and but he'd always told us this thing: don't stop chasing the runner. Don't ever stop chasing, no matter what. And so I did. I chased the runner. And the runner made ground on me. He kept separating every five yards. We were going a fi- another yard apart, and he was running farther and farther ahead of me. But I was the only one chasing him down the field. Everybody else fell away. And I kept chasing for 30 yards and 40 yards and 50 yards. He was going to get a goal. It was obvious. But coach had said, don't stop chasing. Don't stop. Just persist. Keep going. And so I kept chasing, even as I saw him approaching the line to cross the goal line and, and score another six points against us. And I was about to slow down and stop from running at full speed when I got clipped in the back because some other idiot in high school was a little stupider than me. I was too stupid to stop, but he was too stupid not to clip me even though I was 20 yards away from his runner. I couldn't possibly tackle. I couldn't possibly interfere with that goal, but he clipped me. And as I went down at full speed, slamming into the ground and hurting myself, I bounced back up and knew we had just saved that goal. And sure enough, the end of the game, I can't tell you the final score, but it ended with us being the winners by three or four points. That goal would have changed the outcome of the game. The reason, it was the only chance I ever had to be an MVP was just to be too stupid to stop running. I did actually MVP that game because I didn't stop running. I chased until I I was fouled and that foul took away the goal for the other team. That that guy was the loser of the team for their team. I was the MVP for that because we won the game. I was also told one time by, back to the SEAL concepts, I was told by uh, Rob, last name withheld, our training director, after getting ripped up one side and down the other for our platoon, screwing up training ops so bad, we came back to do the debrief and I'd been, I'd gone so aggressively again, like coach told me to run, I ran training guys told me to, to hit it hard, throw yourself down on the ground, take aim and fire at the enemy or the simulated enemy enemy. And I did that consistently. And in the process, I hit the ground harder than most guys. And I would actually, uh, I cut my mouth a couple of times with the ACOG scope on my rifle. And so we got back, we got ripped up one side down the other. And, and the training officer, Rob said, you guys, you know, he was he was venting. He was he was panting from his frustration at how we had screwed up so bad. We were the worst platoon he'd ever seen. But, but he 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 guy blew himself out. We're all standing there like with our heads down, and he looked at me and said, "Dubois, you're bleeding." 
I like that. And we were redeemed because I was too stupid not to go full speed, not to hit it hard, not to run. And that is our theme for today is just keep going. Door of the fist, just keep going. I want to I want to encourage everybody who's listening that you're not always going to be the star of the game or the star of the team or the star of the platoon or the star of anything. But if you just keep going, you will attain success of whatever form is possible. So our guest today is somebody you're very familiar with already because he's been in most of our episodes already also. This is Eric, our on-air producer for Impact Actual, experienced podcast guy, and as you'll learn about today, experienced a lot of other things too, which is why I opened with a sports analogy. So Eric Bond is a uh, career college athlete, of course high school to get to that point, competitive athlete, began, uh, began coaching other athletes and collegiates after. But that was the first iteration of his life, the first phase. Today, of course, he's a father, a husband, has two great kids, two boys, neither of which, as we'll talk about, is named James. And I have a big problem with that. But I can forgive him for one episode. So Eric went into uh, business, did a lot of work in corporate America, and eventually became a consultant with corporate America for business and financial activities, flowing from there into um, focusing on what his real passion is, besides working with impact and being an impact coach, uh, is specifically uh, working with entrepreneurial dads. So if you are an entrepreneurial dad, prick up your ears. And if you know one, same thing. Uh, Eric, welcome aboard. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm groovy, and it's great to be able to talk to you about what you can bring to this table because I think we tend to look out, you know, as we're looking for guests on any imp- any any podcast, people are looking for that name out there. That's somebody that will recognize. Let's get, you know, Tom Cruise, which is unlikely for impact right now, but um, not the future. But you have so much that you bring to our table, to the impact actual table, to the impact coaching. One thing that um, you know, I, I don't think that most listeners are aware of is that we are extremely independent as the ICs themselves. I specifically, although everybody is available, everybody in our pool of impact coaches is able to uh, to facilitate for Unchained, for example, to facilitate our courses, to to be uh, pitching in and staffing for our events. I have I set a, a policy, if you will, a, a vision from the beginning that I want people to stay in their areas, their zones of genius. I want you to do what you love to do with the people you love to do it with. I want Christy to be able to be an impact coach and also really focus in all the areas she does love about endurance sports and women who are not children anymore. And I want Julie to stay in the, her her church world of mission trips and so forth. And and we're all we're all a a body, a group of people who have our own backgrounds and we honor those backgrounds yours like i talked about is originally the earliest stuff was sports what what were the activities you did there what specifically were you involved in for sports i was a three-sport athlete in in high school baseball basketball and soccer which soccer i wound up playing collegiately it was never the plan to play soccer collegiately i always thought that was going to be basketball i'm the son of a basketball coach so i always thought that that was going to be the the plan is to play college basketball. And I did have some opportunities to play that, but at the time soccer was more fun. So I, I just decided to to take that route. And, and from there, after I was done playing, I did get into coaching a little bit first with, with my dad coaching basketball and then and moving on, on my own more so in kind of high school level travel basketball. Uh, I wouldn't, if people are listening, it'd be like, you know, very similar to like AAU 
you know, we have all-star teams and, and travel and tournaments and leagues and all that kind of stuff. And that was, that was great. I did that for about 10 years. And the team that I coached all in the same age group, um, won seven championships in 10 years. And then, you know, I, I did coach a little bit soccer as well, travel soccer, um, you know, within the, you know, the Western New York area and all of that. But I just, I always wanted to find something that I was going to stay connected to sports somehow. And, and then as things kind of moved along and I didn't have time to really coach anymore and I tried to start figuring out like, how can I still stay involved in the game? That's when I started to reach out to a lot of colleges and go speak and talk about life after sports. So I'm, I'm in the Buffalo area. So if you look at, you know, really, if you draw like a three hour, you know, radius from Buffalo, I've spoken at pretty much every college, you know, within, within that, that range uh, about life after sports and, you know, what it takes to be productive member of society, what skills you can bring to the table as an athlete, as you get into whatever your desired profession is. And then that, that moved into coaching some of those athletes on an individual basis. So sports has been really for me, everything, everything that I've ever really learned in life has come from the sports arena. Well, I mentioned also, you know, you, you did spend a lot of time in corporate America before going into consulting, which is another form of coaching, you know, coaching business lessons, business uh, people, just like you coach athletes The fundamentally it's the same thing. Fundamentally, you're saying, listen, I have this experience. I have some observations. I am watching what you're doing and I would recommend this, this, and this apply them like we do as impact coaches, we say, Hey, try this thing, try this new strategy. We're suggesting not based on any kind of a rote memorization of our, you know, here's our policy. Here's our, here's our, um, our system. It needs to work for you. That's one of the things that really, really, really sets us apart. And I want to, I want to beat that drum is, you know, an impact we have a, the high impact system is not a cookie cutter. It's not a one size fits all. It's a law, a lot of things that people can apply for themselves and the ones that work for them, they do. Well, my coaching clients are like, holy crap, you did this thing for me. I'm like, wow, I mentioned one thing one day. I, I, I thought you were going to go in a different direction, but what works for a person is based on that person's experience of it, not the coach or some other well-intentioned sure. person saying, do this. And, um, and that's why I did want to open up with sports today. My, my ill-fated, uh, football career. Speaking of running and foot and sports, though, you were you chose the sport where you don't stop running no matter what. That's <laughs> at least in football we have the chance to choose not to. It's like okay, I got to sure. go. I can stop for a while, but you just keep on running. It's like Dory. Yeah, soccer is a soccer is a very very challenging game. It's catching on more so here in the United States, which. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like the more it catches on here in the U.S., the more I lose interest. I don't know why, but you know, I, I don't really follow the game at all now. I don't. I, I couldn't tell you. I probably couldn't name six players that played in Major League Soccer if my life depended on it. You know, I know some some of the things that are going on over in Europe loosely, but nothing really there. And it, but it, it when you get down to the actual game itself. It, I mean, yes, it is a ton of running. I happen to play the position where you run the most as a center yeah. midfielder, a defensive center midfielder. So, you know, you're basically running, you know, uh, as they say, box to box from 18 yard box to 18 yard box. You know, you're involved in both ends of the game um, from a defensive standpoint to an offensive standpoint. It's a, it's a very difficult position. It's physically, it's, it's, I, I say, Personally, my own personal opinion, I think it's the most physically demanding position on the sport, you know, uh, on your on your body, on your your mental faculties. It's it would be akin to, 
you know, if you look at it from a football standpoint, you know, the position I played defensive center mid more specifically is, is from a cerebral standpoint, you're kind of, it's kind of like the middle linebacker in football where I wouldn't say you're the brains of everything, but you have to be a little bit high, a little bit more of up a, up a level, you know, than, than, than some others that are, that are on the team. And not, and I'm not just saying from a skill standpoint, I'm just saying, I'm saying all around your, your conditioning level, your, your mental approach, uh, everything's just got to be another level up from everybody else, uh, which is, which is tough. And, you know, one of the things that, that I think is interesting and, you know, I, I actually, I want to get into, you know, if we could talk about the eight core emotions, you know, that's, you know, something that I've done a lot of work on lately, which I wish I would have learned earlier on. I think it probably would have made me a little bit more successful earlier in my life if I, you know, if I knew that, but you know, when you, when you, when you're an athlete and you're looking so many things go against you and you fail more than you ever succeed. And, the problem with that is when you're looking at the eight core emotions, five of those core emotions are negative and three of those core emotions are positive. So you're already predisposed to look at things from a negative standpoint and overlearn negative outcomes as opposed to learning positive outcomes. And most people in athletics and even in life or in business, this is something that they don't understand that every person literally every person walking around on the planet has these eight same core emotions and they're all hardwired into you, into your brain literally goes back to evolution of man. And there's nothing you can do about it. So um, the more that you're able to handle those eight core emotions and understand that, yes, you're going to fail a lot, but how can you take that, take those failures and spin that positively and come out better off with a, with a more positive mindset than, than overlearning those negative failures. Well, that goes right to the, and I'm, I'm glad you opened that can of worms because we wanted to go there for sure. It's that's the, the great, the great segue, if you will, the, the flow from stuff we didn't understand as, as high school athletes, like, okay, I go out there, I do what coach says. Uh, and I use the, the example of literally just do what they say, just keep doing what they say. And I, I heard that a million times in the teams, just, you don't have to understand it. Just do it. That's how you become a person who to take a seal, for example, is infinitely or, or dramatically superior to himself in a previous state. It's because, or in the black belt world, when you go through jujitsu, the traditional Japanese stuff, we, we, I can't imagine getting kicked in the groin three times to pass a black belt test when I'm a, when I'm blue belt, but it became a real thing. And I did do that. And it was, uh, you know, you, you go beyond your limits. Exactly like what I talk about in here. So you learn the principles of obey. So you go, you go from like blue balls to blue belt. Blue, right? Well, big purple. <laughs> You'd be surprised. That's it's all about key and manipulation. And we talked about that with Michael Osterlink in, uh, in uh, the first episode, <laughs> uh, the fact that it is possible to, to manipulate energy key or chi or whatever. And that is why it works. Uh, physically, uh, no person <laughs> can just randomly take a shot in the nuts. It's not okay. It's a, there's no way you can get better for it. In fact, in the teams, we talk about that. We, we joke about the things. There's certain things we won't do in team training, in SEAL team training. You know, We'll do running and shooting. We'll do literally running and running and running before you get to the range. And when you get to the range, you're exhausted. And that's how it's going to be in combat. So that's why we add that thing like a race to get to the to the shooting line and when you get there you're gasping for air and you still got to be able to take a beat on the target so but other things you can't get good at 
and we say you, you can't get good at getting kicked in the nuts as, as the analogy. You can't get good at it. It is. <laughs> it sounds like I'm t- talking about so out both sides of my mouth here. But the reality is there are paradoxes. It is possible, as we say, always accept, never settle. Right. So I accept that I'm five foot ten and a half. <laughs> I accept that I'm never going to be six foot four like I planned as a kid. That's not changeable. But I can change my weight. I never settle on things that I can change. So in the case of the paradox of training, there are things that go beyond our limits, beyond our comprehension today, including that black belt test I took, including things I do as a SEAL that I that I didn't even really conceive as possible before as a as a previous previous training. But this this idea here about going through the understanding the the basics of run when coach says to run in your high school athletes athleticism and go into the college work and and to begin to tease out the the deeper meaning of these ideas, including just keep going, including these the eight emotions you're talking about, the five negative, we are hardwired to assume the negative. And this is where the breakthrough is possible to begin to comprehend this 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 thoughtless thought process the assumptions that hold us back and we want to go beyond self-limiting beliefs and behaviors so definitely want you to unpack that and also let's let's go ahead and flow into your your corporate lessons too and the and the entrepreneurial dads because this is all one discussion it's not a line it's a flow yeah and kind of, I guess, expanding on the those eight core emotions is, you know, you have that initial emotion. So starting off with the three positive emotions, which is joy, passion, and love, that moves into the five negative ones, which is fear, guilt, anger, pain, and shame. Okay. So for those keeping track at home, positive emotions are, once again, are joy, passion, and love. Negative emotions are fear, guilt, anger, pain, and shame. Okay. We all have those. Every single person is hardwired with them. All right. So what happens with a lot of times, and this is where, this is the friction point with a lot of this stuff is you have the initial emotion and then there's a secondary emotion that is a reaction to the feeling that you're having. So as an example, feeling shame while you're in pain. Okay. The secondary emotion is not hardwired into your brain like the first one is. This is a learned response from your family, your personal experience, your culture, the people you surround yourself with. That is where the change happens. The should. This is what you should do and should not do. Correct. And what you should feel ashamed by. Yep. And, you know, once again, going back to the initial reaction, you're wired this way for survival. That is, that is all that is because it's like, you know, if going back to caveman times, if you're going out to quote unquote, catch your food for the day and a wild animal is chasing you, (laughs) you're wired to survive. Right. And that's where everything goes back to is that survival piece. But now, you know, millions and you know, millions and generations and whatever forward now, we have to be better than that. You know, it, we have to understand what the risks are and then move, you know, move forward in a more positive way than 
what they what they used to do when you had to actually make a fire for yourself and you know go kill the bear and and all the other things. That's a really important idea. I want to I want to jump in on. I've been taught in my post traumatic stress treatment program my, my my process of life. You know, I'm I'm a recovering alcoholic, and for about thirty years, I've been not killing myself with alcohol. That's a good thing, but only in the most recent year have I gotten serious about PTS and. Uh, another uh, another impactor, Patrick Mullins, Sledge is is diving deep on plant based PTS possibilities, and and so we have there's a new way of perceiving. It's not about being sissified. It's not being the the generation of weak, but rather recognizing our wholeness, the whole person we deal with and impact the whole person development. There's a lot we've denied. We talk about, and I won't open this can of worms today either, but the, the, the toxic masculinity thing we hear about is largely based on repression of these natural emotions of understanding, you know, grief and fear and, and pain and understand, being able to express doubt, uncertainty, things like that, that we have to cover up. Like you and I talked about again in another uh, episode with John, John McCaskill talking about the masculinity and how we, how we buffer ourselves from our natural wholeness. But in my process of understanding my own trauma, I learned that there's, we talk about dysfunction and dysfunctional behaviors. Well, every dysfunctional behavior that a person learns, again, what we focus on in Impact Actual is eliminating self-limiting beliefs and behaviors. Every dysfunctional behavior was born in functionality. If, and I wasn't, but I, if I were in fear of my life because I would be beaten to death as a five-year-old, and I ran away, and I, I developed survival habits to not get beaten to death, then uh, applying the same response, the same strategy as a 25-year-old is no longer functional. That's why it becomes dysfunctional. But what you're talking about, the instinctive path, is identical. Fundamentally, it's identical. We have instinctive responses. Hey, everything jumps back from a snake. Horses do, people do. Uh, we don't know why, we just do it. It's this, this knowledge, this deep knowledge. But we don't have to jump back from a conflict. We don't have to jump back from a critical partner in, in our spouse, in our marriage. We don't have to jump back from things that were what we survived instinctively before. And now we're. It, it's, it's really, really exciting to, to explore this because what you're talking about is taking that pause. Assess mm -hmm. your, your urge to do this, this reaction and instead choose. Yeah. And that, that actually goes right into some of the things that, that I teach the response management piece is number one, you monitor whatever thought you're having. And the second part of that is you observe that thought. Is this a familiar thought? Is this a habit? Is there something that's, that's, that's different or not different about this? And the third piece is probably, I think, the most important piece in the next step is you don't suppress or judge that. You bring awareness to the feeling and you say, you know, things like, am I obsessing about this? Is this real? And you, 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 then you kind of move into a challenge phase and say, hey, you know, was this bad? What am I solving here? So I call that basically it's, it's the 4A response method. Right. So you allow, you acknowledge, you accept, and then you take action on it. And this is where everything, going back to that third piece where you don't suppress or judge. And that's the biggest thing. We live in a world where everything is judged. We're, you know, you're, ju you, 
you go on social media and you're, you know, you're judging yourself because you don't think that you have the life of somebody that is manufacturing an image for themselves, or you're judging that you're not as good as somebody, or you're judging that you are better than somebody, or, uh, I mean, we could talk about just this topic, this specific thing for hours. Um, and especially in today's society, you cannot suppress or judge certain feelings that you have you have to bring awareness to them and you have to vet them and absolutely vet them out and 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 move forward that's the only way that you can really you know really do things i was taught in sobriety not to judge my insides by other people's outsides because everyone's putting on a show we're all doing it we're all showing you know like uh, ladies say in doing um makeup Accentuate the positive, right? We're giving the best <laughs> version of ourselves at all times yeah. because we want to be, yeah. as we talked about with John McCaskill, not judged, not put down, not not measure up, to be socially endangered. It's a it's a potential uh, existential threat, socially speaking. Yeah, yeah. And the other, you know, the other piece is I try to be as mo the most authentic and vulnerable person that I can be at the same time. That is not hard for that. That is that it. Well, I should say that is hard for me and has been hard for me, but it's not hard for me anymore. You know, so it's kind of what you get. So my grandfather was a colonel in the army. He was in D-Day, went on to do incredible things with Bell Aerospace and, you know, NASA, things like helping design the rocket engine that lifted the astronauts off the moon for the first time. So, so the ride that Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong had, those rocket engines that are on there, my grandfather helped design those. His right team. So, you know, my grandfather was an incredible person, but he came from a time that you just rub some dirt on it and, and carry on with your life. Mm-hmm. My, my dad, you know, same thing, Vietnam era, was in Vietnam, was in the Air Force. Now, so I, I grew up with two, you know, two paramount male figures in my life that, you know, the, it, it was kind of tough to suss out feeling sometimes. And I'm not saying that, you know, I don't have any problem with my upbringing. I, you know, I, I, I had, a, I had a great upbringing. I was, um, you know, I, I look back now and I'm, I'm glad that my dad pushed me the way he did. And I'm glad that I had the example of my grandfather but ultimately, I lived with anxiety and depression unknowingly well into my late 30s. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know I had it. Had no clue. I thought that feeling that I had inside of me was completely normal. And it's, and it, and it, and it's not. And now, you know, I've, I've, you know, going back to after, Eric, you know, my son Erickson was born, he's four now, is really when I decided to kind of challenge, if you will, why I feel the way I feel. And now I'm incredibly vulnerable and authentic with battling anxiety and depression. And I don't, I don't do that for attention on myself because there's people out there that have 5,000 times worse things that they deal with than what I have to deal with, but it's my battle. And that's just what I have to deal with every single day. And so, yeah, I take Zoloft, me and Mike Tyson, man, you know what I mean? Like, like, but I, but that's that's a tool that I use to get me to where I need to be. But being authentic and vulnerable with who you are as an individual has never been more important in society than in 2022. Absolutely. You, 
everything is so fake and manufactured now that it's 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 a it's a really really hard thing to always have to compete with people that and kind of keep up with the Joneses. And it's you know I, I was having a conversation with a with a client the other day, and I use an analogy. You know, so there's there's guys out there that want the prettiest girl, okay, and they go about that any number of different ways. Some guys go to the gym five, six days a week to have the best body because they think that's the best route to get it. Then there's some fat slobs that have a really nice boat that get the girl too. All right. That's my choice. I want to go that way (laughs) if I have to choose. Yeah, right. Different strokes for different folks. And then there's some people that say, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to be in amazing shape. I'm going to have a boat. I'm going to make tons of money and I'm going to get the girl. Who cares? Pick your your lane and, and be authentic and vulnerable with who you are. And go for it, right? Well, you mentioned fake and manufactured and never being more important than this genera- this year, this, this life we're in right now. This time in history is critical because so much of what's happening globally at the global, global level is so much of what's happening in a bad way. So much of right now as we're recording this, Putin's prosecuting his war in Ukraine against the Ukrainians. And, and it's based on falsehoods. It's based on lack of, uh, it's based on lies. Uh, we've got political crisis in America and around the world now with autocracies on the rise because of lies, based on lies. I'm not going to talk about the politics behind it, left, right, uh, or center at this point. We're, we're just trying to identify the fact that because there is such a prominence of lies, there is also a prominence of danger for the world and for individuals and yes. families that are in those countries of the world. And uh, the fakeness, fakery is is killing us. We couldn't, I think maybe generationally speaking, it was okay for our our grandfathers, as you mentioned, to be the strong, silent type and not be authentic with themselves because all they managed was a local household. And sometimes they hit the kids too much and sometimes they didn't. But the consequences now are of a global survival issue. When we don't know what the truth is about the economy, when we don't know the, the truth about ecology, all the things that make up the world today put us in a dangerous position if we don't get real. And that's why we talk about character and impact, you know, dealing with mm-hmm. real characters, get back to authenticity. I don't have to agree with you to, to work with you. It's an American principle. I will defend with my life your right to say the things I disagree with, right? But we've gone away from that, and that's a dangerous place. Very, very dangerous. So, I think that's a perfect, another perfect segue to talk about the entrepreneurial dads thing we talked, we discussed. The entrepreneurship is a person, male or female, pursuing their belief about what's right, the most authentic thing. Dads, you and me, dads, other guys, are, are we, we can really relate to that. It's men who are doing the best they can in their life. Tie the two together, and you're reaching what I believe is fundamentally a, a, a crisis area for society and therefore for the world, like we said, on this global stage. We're in a place that we need authenticity. We need truth. We need people to be bold and step forward and say, uh, I'll accept, you know, I'll honor you, and I'll, and I'll demand that I be honored. What are you doing there? And can you, would you mind teasing a little bit for a potential a late summer event we're talking about? No, if you don't want to talk about it yet, we don't talk about it yet. But tell me about the entrepreneurial dad's process. This is a culmination sure. of your work in sports and coaching and corporate life and consulting. Yeah, there's a massive, massive self-care gap 
for entrepreneurial fathers. Many of them, I hate to say suffer in silence, but they are trying to be, a lot of them are trying to be all things to all people. And they wind up putting themselves last. And there's there's been such an assault on, I think, males in general over the last four, five, six, seven years, whether it's you know the Me Too movement or any number of the other things that you want to talk about or bring up, social media, whatever, that the strong male, or if you want to say alpha male, great. Sometimes I use that term, sometimes I don't. Is this, it's literally they're being chipped at and eroded down to a lesser beta version that is not good for the world. Right. The structure in general. We're not saying men are better. We're just saying men are an essential piece of what's good. Correct. There are, there are less strong men today than there ever have been, than there ever has been in the history of our country. And I think that is a fundamental problem and a foundational problem to where we are at as a country today. And I'm not talking about, you know, you know, you don't gotta, you don't gotta, you know, hit your kids to get your point across, or you don't have to be demeaning to women to get your point across, or you don't have to be this just raging lunatic of a guy and beat your chest and talk about how, you know, how strong you are. It's not what I'm talking about. There's a different way to do things nowadays to be that strong man for your family and for your business. And also running side by side to that is there is this hyper focus on, you know, women specific groups, you know, women specific networking things. And let me, let me clarify. I think that is fantastic. I think that is amazing. I, I think that, you know, more women should have those groups or should be more women in leadership positions in America and in boardrooms. And I think they should be making more money than in some cases than what they're getting paid. I am all for that, but not at the expense of diminishing a strong male role model. And that is exactly what's happening right now in this country. Um, and I feel that through my work and a lot of the people that I coach, I see it not necessarily with the spoken word, but the unspoken word of people that are trying to be all things to their employees and run a business, their wife, their kids. And what happens is they always put themselves last. And when you put yourself last, you are not the person that you were meant and designed to be. You're not in the best shape that you're supposed to be in. You're not, and and I say best shape, I'm not talking about just physical shape. I'm talking about mental shape. Mm -hmm. You're not doing the things to be even better than, 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 than you are right now. And you're just, so I I just felt like I I needed, I needed to do something. Um, I needed to take a little bit of a shift in my business to, to help build up more strong men. Cause I, I look at like, I look at my two boys. So, so Erickson is four and Archer is nine months tomorrow. And yes, we're very sorry. You know, well, my, I'm sorry, Rob, I want to apologize to you that we couldn't, I couldn't, make that James Bond a reality with Archer. I couldn't, I couldn't, it was I couldn't really pull, I, stuck on that. 
I know. I, I, I talked to Stephanie. She just wouldn't go for it. I, I really, I was, I was fighting for you, but uh, ultimately Archer, Archer won out. So I gave it my best. You did. Um, and I look at them and if they don't have me to look at as a strong male, who are, who do they have to look at? Quite simply. The guy on stop. Instagram. Who else, the fake exactly. Guy. Who else do they, yeah. Who else do they have to look at? They, I have to be that guy for them. I have to be the strong male for them. Just like my dad was and my grandfather was and my great grandfather was my family history of strong, capable, sturdy guys is, is, is long and distinguished. And I need to be that for them because they're not going to, they're going to find it less and less elsewhere. You could have, maybe if you didn't have something at home going back 10, 15, 20 years ago, you found it through a coach or maybe you found it through a, a, you know, a boss or something like that. Those guys are farther and fewer between than ever now. So what are you going to do about it? Who are you going to be as a man for your son or daughter that they're going to have to look up to? So that I, and I'm really, I'm really, I'm really afraid for the, for the future of future generations. And I, I just think that more needs to be done. Well, you look at any system, the fire triangle, you need ignition, you need fuel, you need oxygen to feed it. Like our bodies. I wrote a chapter in, in a powerful piece called And, which, in which I posed this ridiculous poll or question up front saying, which is more important, oxygen or food? And the answer is neither is more important. The lack of either means you're a dead person. We need food, we need water, we need oxygen. If you don't have any of those three, you're dead. Similarly, in the family structure, there's male and female energy. And like you and I have both emphasized, they're both valuable. They're not, we're not trying mm-hmm. to demean any other roles. The same thing in society. We need these roles. In fact, I would like to see more women in the military commands because I think we'd have a better defense system without a bunch of guys trying to compare you know, p- you know pissing contest about who can be the, the butcher, if you will. And sure. I don't mean butcher like the guy that chops meat. I mean more butch. <laughs> I never thought about the connection to those two words. But we are, and I tell you right now, from my own experience as a speaker, as a coach, I did a talk with a women's group at one point uh, back in Hawaii called What Men Want, a play on words from the movie What Women Want. And they were craving to know. They're like, tell us what men want beyond the obvious, right? We all know, oh, me- all men want the same thing. Okay, cool. Let's just acknowledge that reality. There's an, there's an instinctive drive to, to do certain behaviors, obviously. Let's accept that and not demean that either. Like you said, eroding of the masculinity is not good for society. When men are self-doubting because they think, is it okay to be this, this person? Obviously, abuse is never okay. Never okay. Even in war, abuse is not appropriate. If I have to kill a guy, I'm going to do it efficiently and make it be done, not try to take some kind of perverse pleasure in the torment or in the in the harm. Like hurting is bad. Killing can be okay when you got to protect other people with that life. And so I spoke to them and, and they said, we want to know what men want. We want better men. They keep asking. And I've had this conversation with hundreds of women over my lifetime. They say, where are the real men? I want you know, we, we need real men back, not abusive, not overpressing or oppressing, not a domineering, but a dominant person, somebody that's strong and present. In fact, there's this really, I can't unpack it right now. I know we want to wrap you up and let you go on your day, but 
there was a video I just shared with Amy about containment by a lady whose last name, I can't remember her, her she goes by Teal, something Teal. And she talked about this concept of containment. And, I, and I, I, I'm welcoming any women and men to respond to this. But she said a woman uh, in a male-female relationship wants to be and uh, reassured about her security, about her being loved, about being the only one, about whatever the millions of things are that she she may be aware, they may be agreeing on. She wants to be safely embraced, if you will, in that way. And she called this person called it containment. Not to, again, not to tell a woman your place is in the home, barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, whatever, but rather yeah. saying, give that woman that that sense of your strength. That's the key. Give her the sense of your strength. And you can't give a sense of strength unless you're faking on Instagram without having strength. I, I, I could I couldn't agree more. And it's just you see so many like I look I look at and, and the I approach everything not from a guru standpoint. I am not a guru when it comes to this stuff. And, I, and I'm the I always say that whenever you know I've been on a number of podcasts. Anytime that I, I speak in front of people. I am not a guru. I don't want to be called a guru. I don't look at myself as a guru. I look at myself as somebody that's experienced life and has observed life and have been fortunate to be around incredible people just like yourself throughout the course of my life. And there are <laughs> some really big problems out there. And, you know, you look at like, you know, with with what I the main the main three things that I that, that that I work on with entrepreneurial dads is leadership, and that's and that's not a leadership like leading a company leadership or leading a family. It's leading you. That's the first that that's kind of the first pillar. The second pillar is self care, and the third pillar is legacy. What do you want your legacy to be? Because I can guarantee you. That when your days come and you're in that pine box and you're getting lowered six feet into the ground, people aren't going to talk about how much money you have. They're not going to talk about what kind of car you drive or how you lived in or the you know whatever else that comes with vanity. They're going to talk about you as a person. Yep. How you made them feel. How you made exactly. Your kids won't care. Well, maybe if they get the life insurance check, they might care for a minute there. <laughs> but That's they're not they're not going to care at the end of the day about your wealth or your possessions or anything like that, unless you have very vain kids, which maybe if you have a vain lifestyle, you create vain kids, I guess. But by and large, you're not going to care. Your wife's not going to care about that stuff. They're going to care about the person that you were, how you made them feel and what you did for them. So those are the three main things that I really focus on. The self-care piece is probably the biggest because if you don't hydrate yourself, if you're not drinking half your body weight of water every single day, if you're not getting proper sleep, you're not eating the right foods, you're not doing all of those things, there's no way you can show up and be the best leader for your company, be the best leader for your family, or any of that stuff. So those are the three biggest things you know, that, we, that we really focus on you know, when it comes to, comes to working with entrepreneurial dads. And the results are amazing. I've had, I had, I had a client that was... That, just just recently told me he's like Eric the work that we've done I'm I'm up 300% year to date in my you know in my production in my business I'm happier at home I have more time for my wife I'm more engaged with my kids I can't think of anything better than to, to somebody to say to me because yeah I had I you know I I helped them but they did the work 
Exactly. They took what I they took what I was helping them understand, and they actually did the work. And getting somebody to do the work is the biggest piece of being a coach. If you can't get somebody to do the work, you can't be a coach. Well, you have to get that and buy-in. You have to help them understand the why. Once they have the why, they'll dive in and do it on their own without being, you know, prodded. Yeah. That's the gift. It's it's amazing to hear people say, I mean, I, I had an, another client of mine. He's in financial services. He's an advisor, just had the highest level of production and, and qualified for a, for a trip to Rome, highest level of production that he's, that he's had in, in 15 years in the business. When you can have that kind of effect on, on somebody, it's amazing. And it's just, you, you see people buy in and ha- and, and make, make meaningful change in their life. It's just, um, there isn't a better feeling out there. It's so rewarding personally to see that you're helping somebody else have a better life for themselves. Sure. And we'll do a lot more of that. I want the listeners to be aware that this man course thing, I, of course, we, we already have the high impact man course in impact. That was a product I built out and ran with one guy, kind of a beta test. Ironically, a beta test. (laughs) 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 You mentioned alpha beta. Here's what I want to put out there. And I definitely want to leave the listeners with this too. The whole alpha beta conflict or debate, there should not be a debate. It's human beings being in society. If every man is an alpha male, society is destroyed. Let's can we open our concepts to this and stop being stupid about again the fake Instagram guys are like if you ain't an alpha male you're a bitch no 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 <laughs> there's people in all roles there's a hierarchy of of people that are satisfied in this level and this role and this responsibility let me contribute here because this is what I'm made for if we don't honor all that difference all those distinctions all the variety and diversity then we're contributing to the destruction of society when we pretend to be these men leading the charge and fixing it and making every man an alpha. It doesn't, that's not how society works. Not everybody can be an alpha. Not everybody can be a chef or a farmer. We need all the things. Correct. But we have a lot of impact man stuff coming up. Look forward to any uh, willingness as we wrap it up to tease on a possible event in the future. Yeah, we're, in the process of putting together a an event for entrepreneurial dance, and that's something that uh, we're in the early stages of planning, which I I'm waiting on a couple logistical pieces to kind of fall into place. But it's going to be sometime late summer uh, is when we're gonna we're gonna do this, and it's going to be capped at fifteen people. This is the first event that I'm I'm kind of running with in relation to entrepreneurial entrepreneurial dads and it's i'm taking a little bit of a different approach and moving more into so doing i'm still still going to do one-on-one coaching but i'm going to move i'm moving more into into group group events as i look for different ways to kind of level up you know what i'm doing because i think when you get a group of people like that together in a small environment, and there's a reason. I, there's a reason I'm only capping it at 15 and not 50. I think meaningful change happens when you're in a group of, of of you know 12 to 15 people that you might not get, and you might not get individualized attention if it's if it's really any higher than that. So the spots are going to fill up. There's going to be 15 people there. It's not going to be very hard to fill those spots. So if it's something that you would like more information on, obviously, um, you know, reach out, but you know, we're, uh, we're in the planning stages right now and I'll, I'll definitely have more information in the coming weeks as to what that really fully 
looks like. And it's going to be all about leadership, self-care, and legacy, and with some some personal chefs and you know some other some other really cool things that we're gonna do. It's gonna be an over. It's gonna be an overnight. You know, so it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a great great little retreat, I guess. I'm looking forward to being involved in that and helping to promote a lot more as we get more specificity to share with people. But but for now, a teaser. For now, hey guys, be ready because this and then and that'll. I think we're gonna really. I think we're going to uncork a bottle with this, really. I think we're going to have some kind of a yeah. massive interest, massive feedback. You know, the metrics of, of feedback on, hey, my experience was blank. I love doing it because fill in the blank. We use that to leverage. This is business one-on-one. Impact is going to keep unpacking all of our metrics, all of our lessons learned from the client base, from the people in the community and saying, we want this and build that and give more and more and more. So men, watch out for – and women, Get your men involved. <laughs> and you know, honestly, your- Rob, I've had I've had I've had women reach out to me and be like, "You got to help my, you have to help my husband," and that's that's the craziest thing that I never thought would happen when I when I kind of made that Absolutely. shift. Is like, I never thought I would actually have a wife reach out and be like, "Can you talk to my husband, please?" Yep, and. Absolutely. We need better men. That is what I'm hearing from both sides. Yeah. And we need, you know, to give, we need to give respect to the men who are confused, myself included. All of us are facing this social wave of it's not okay. It's not cool. And I'll, I'll leave, just want to throw this out there after nine 11, I noticed, cause I've, I've been a macho man for you know a long time, almost 56 years now, but well, I wasn't a macho man as a baby, but I have been a man who respects again, the, the fears, the weaknesses, the doubts. If you deny that part of yourself as a man, you're being a fake man. You're being weak. That's the, that's the mm-hmm. thing. But after 9-11, I saw these posts, I saw these magazine covers that said things like, the real man is back. And I was excited for that because after 9-11, we saw these grimy, you know, guys who wouldn't have fit on a, on a six-pack six uh, abs ad, but they were covered in blood and dust and mud and walking out of the rubble, carrying other people. That's what a man does, a man serves, a man sacrifices, but a man can't do that unless a man is attentive to his own self-love, which sounds way airy-fairy and way artsy-fartsy. And that's, people can't get the, the fact that it's real. Self-care is real. Be strong, build yourself up, be ready for the physical or emotional crisis so you can be there for people. And we're helping people do that. This is going to be a really important episode and going to be one of many to come. I can't wait to unpack the more of this coming up in future episodes with other guests. Thank you for being both my producer today on the show <laughs> and our and our featured guest. This is exciting. Uh, pleasure to do it, Rob. You're uh, you're a great friend and you know it's really a lot of fun and it's anything anything I can do to 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 help help move the needle here is 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 all I'm, all I'm here for. I'm a servant. There's a lot more to look forward to with it. And to the listeners, thank you very much, as always, for being here and sticking with us for the show to to learn some ideas about eliminating your own self-limiting beliefs and behaviors, to go beyond your limits. That's what we're here for, and we will see you next week and see you soon. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. 
We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois.